Welcome back to the Bless Beyond Measure podcast. I am your host, CL The Source. Thank you once again for tuning in. And today, we're about to have a fun one. Man, this is, uh, I'm excited about this one. Today, I get to share someone very near and dear to me, man. This is one of my favorite people in the world. Um, This is my blood relative, my cousin, more like my brother, because we pretty much are like the same age. And uh, me, my brother, and, and his brother's, we just all grew up super close um, relationship wise. And, you know, we went to the same schools growing up and everything like that. And uh, I'm very excited to really share this part of my life with you. You know, I get, you know, I love my family to death and I'm very grateful for my cousin, Jordan Borlaza, Borlaza, AKA Chef Jorbor. What up, Chef Jorbor? What's good, dude? Good, man. Uh, it's a nice, beautiful day here in uh, LBC uh kind of reminds me of home it's a little gloomy right now and all I you know just feels like at home right now there's it's not hot it's perfect weather right now so feel good bro nice bro nice yeah thanks for mentioning you're all the way in Long Beach funny story to those that are listening Jordan and I moved out to Southern California together uh back in uh 2013 November 13 or 14? 13, because 14 is when I met my fiance. <laughs> Ooh, and, and we'll get into that, too. And, you know, congratulations, brother, again, man. I'm so happy for you. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that, you know, as part of sharing your story and everything like that. In mm-hmm. 2013, me and this man just decided to pack up and move out to Southern California. Um, didn't really have much of a plan, huh, Jordan? I mean, at the point. No, and it, the, the crazy thing, too, because uh, was that night I went out with my friends and we had everything locked in that day or like within that 48 hours like ah we're we're ready to move or so the anticipation the nervousness and everything was like oh man a new chapter in our lives I go out have fun with my friends wake up really late and then you're blowing up my phone I have so many missed calls I'm like I wake up and I'm like what is going on (laughs) and then the funny thing is is like they're like, dude, someone rented out our unit. I was like, what? And then uh, we somehow they had an extra unit. And then we we're just like, you know, we'll just go with it. We didn't see it yet. We're just going to go with it. And we rolled with it. And so many memories from that point on. So, but that oh. day was just like ridiculous. <laughs> Hella. I mean, it was stressful. I remember it pretty vividly myself, bro. Um, and, I th- shout out to all our other family that helped us move from SoCal, from uh, San Francisco to, to LA. Um, it was a long journey, a long expedition. Oh my God. Driving what? a 16 footer U-Haul through the grapevine yeah. was no joke. What, what, what a hell of an experience, huh, bro? Oh man. I felt like a trucker for a day. <laughs> uh, dude, you stabbed it out too. And this, this man right here, Jordan, this guy has made that trip back and forth to and from San Francisco, LA to San Francisco, Frisco to LA so many times as have I, but this guy will work a 12 hour shift, hour shift, and then fucking take the, take the, uh, red eye trip out to San Francisco, just like it's nothing, bro. And, uh, and before we even go any further on that, I must forewarn anybody that is going to get in the car with this motherfucker right here, because, he drives fucking crazy. 
You can call me Toretto. <laughs> oh, shit. Fast and the Furious right there. Fast and the Filipino over here. I know. Toretto. But, hey, Jordan, how you doing, bro? How's everything? How's life been for you out there so far, bro? It's been good. Um, it's been a transition, you know, going from really warm weather, from being somewhere where it's foggy and you have to wear a jacket during the summer, um, to just really relying on your car instead of public transportation is different. Um, yeah, people just... Even if it's like five blocks away, two blocks away, they still drive to wherever they need to go, which is, you know. But um, other than that, it's it's been cool. It's been an easy transition, you know. On my days off, I try to explore, do something to get my mind off work just because being a chef is very uh, stressful, yeah. especially now that um, I'm a head chef, it's more mental stress than physical. Mm-hmm. The physical stress is more like second nature. It's like I already built up that extra skin um, to endure such, you know, physical fatigue. But the mental stress is just like on a whole nother level. It's different. So, so let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's get into that, man. Let's <clears throat> so tell us exactly what you do. I know what you do, but let the audience know exactly what you do, man. Like, and, um, you know, what restaurant you work for and what title you hold. I want to know more about that man so from the beginning um i actually left a job for an opportunity to be to have my hold my first sous chef job which which is a little uh, daunting because when you're building yourself up in the culinary industry you know and you haven't held a you know a higher title than a line cooker a, excuse me, uh, a supervisor, um, you know, it takes somebody to really see something in you or just take a chance, like, you know, he has X amount of experience, maybe we'll try him as a sous chef, this will be his first go around. Um, so it's, it's just funny how my owners met me after I got hired and my head chef then took a chance on me. And he was like, you know, there was something organic and natural about you that I saw um, and I took a chance. Plus, like your experience and this and that. And then after two or three years, he was just like amazed on how my work ethic was and how much I retained from him. Um, He's like, because I don't want to waste my time on people who don't want to listen to me and this and that. And um he he took a gamble and he said he it was well worth it because the one thing he valued in me was my adaptability to whatever my environment is. It's slow that I would like delegate my team to do certain tasks and then you know cut on labor if I need to. If it's busy, I'm all over the place helping everyone and uh, watching everything and. He was just like, that's the one thing that I value about you that a lot of people don't have is the adaptability to your environment. And I was like, yeah, I'm just being me. I was raised to, you know, work hard and put your best foot forward. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, I get to see the fruits of my labor now, like 10 years, 12 years now in the industry. It's It's been great. Um, 
but you know there there's a lot of days you in the, you've been in the industry you know how stressful it is like you just want to strangle or punch somebody in the face but you can't especially now it's <laughs> uh so before i digress i was a sue three years later uh, he asked me to be his exec sue which is you know the next title before you become cdc uh or head chef or executive chef whatever you want to call it and then as of last year i was unofficially officially head chef just because my chef that took me on uh was asked to open another restaurant in beverly hills in on rodeo actually so same type of restaurant uh no it the same kind of capacity but it's it's going to be more of a higher end um mexican restaurant with influence from asia um because hmm. pretty much a lot of cuisine they're like what would Vietnamese food be without the French influence, right? Like, you wouldn't, the pho wouldn't be the same. Like, there wouldn't be pate and banh mi and stuff like that, you know? Like, Peruvian food, like, uh, lomo saltada wouldn't have soy sauce. It wouldn't have that extra umami-ness to it, right? So there's a lot of influences in um, all types of cuisine. Like, Filipino cuisine is just, like, an array of just, like, all of our, you know, conquerist, you know? mainly spain uh china was the influence you know so and then you know you kind of mix it up with like the you know indigenous cuisine of the land and whatever so to make it its own cuisine um but yeah uh so that is what it's gonna be uh really good menu i i overlooked it um pricey i mean you're on rodeo so you're expecting it yeah it is supposed to be like a hideaway, like speakeasy, but so it's tucked in a building, but it takes over the whole bottom floor. Excuse me. Um, there's an open patio through the kitchens, 10 times bigger than my kitchen, which, you know, I'm a little jealous about, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you work with what you have. Um, but yeah, so he left to do that. And, you know, I was already seasoned to do my job. And then from there on, uh, the beginning of the year, I had a big meeting with the owners and the CFO and my chef. And pretty much it was like a nighting. And he was like, he blessed me. He was like, you're blessed. I don't know how to do this, but you're the next guy and you're you're it now. So I was like, oh, okay. So nothing's really changed. It's, you know, I kind of just, didn't want to have that shadow over me but you know I, I talk to him every day for like mentorship and whatever but um yeah so now I'm the head chef now and it's it's been a grueling uh five years with this company so oh yeah so so thank you for sharing that story bro I appreciate you doing it uh it gives us a, a better insight into the path that you're on and you know the role that you've kind of taken on as well now I forgot to ask you, what is the name of your restaurant and what type of food do you serve there? Uh, so I work at Habana in Irvine. It's actually located in the Irvine Spectrum, which is a huge outdoor mall in Irvine, California. Um, it's literally where the the 5 and the 405 meet um, at that point until it turns into the 5 all the way down to San Diego to Mexico. Um, 
But yeah, it's a big outdoor mall. Um, it is a Cuban fair or Cuban inspired restaurant. So we take a lot of influence from Latin America. Mm-hmm. Um, but our emphasis is to have that like, so pretty much if you look at Cuba, it's like a small little island, but the people are vibrant. They're loud. They're loving. They're hospitable. The food is very, it's very flavorful, very full, delicious. Um, I honestly think it's similar to Filipino cuisine, whereas we use a lot of pork, like Filipinos do. They eat a lot of rice. The only thing we don't eat a lot of is beans. But like the food, the, just like the whole culture itself, um, we're like, uh, the Philippines is like the cuba of asia or something you know like loving people you know they always like to party and have a good time like filipinos do so you know uh pretty because my our gm is cuban and he's like man you and me are like the same bro and i was like (laughs) i'm filipino he's like exactly bro exactly (laughs) i was like okay so and then he explained what I just said, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense, you know? So, yeah. So we're, we're both running that place right now, and uh, me and my GM started from the bottom, and now we're here. Not to quote uh, any specific rapper, but yeah, started from the bottom. Shout out to, shout out to Aubrey, Drake. Aubrey Drake, man. But um, yeah. hey, that's dope, bro. That's, <clears throat> that's dope. And I've had the pleasure of going to the restaurant. It's a beautiful venue. A beautiful area got some outdoor space really nice bar area really nice indoor seating um you know it's a it's just a great vibrant type of uh, environment and atmosphere the food's awesome um i think you guys do a really great sunday brunch am i correct yes but you know this was all that was all pre-pandemic so as of right now our owners really don't want to have like we tried to do it again for um Christmas and uh our owners liked it but at the same time it did it we weren't really set up for it um I mean the food was there everything looked great it's just I don't know it's just like people are still a little standoffish I guess about buffets and you know stuff like that but we did because the servers served the food none of us touched the food you know there was always somebody that worked at the restaurant to uh, assist a guest or a patron that comes to our restaurant um but yeah our owners just decided to have a couple specials uh whenever it's like a holiday like coming mother's day and uh, easter we're just gonna have a few specials for brunch um that i'm trying to create right now uh and yeah so they just want to stay away from that for now just because of, I'm, you know, I'm curious i'm curious now that you're the head chef of habana in irvine um, how much control do you have over the the menu now like uh would you say you have like majority control over what you what you serve or um i'm sure your influence is strong on it but um what would you say in terms of your influence on oh, the menu um i would say i wouldn't say 99.9 or 100 percent, but i would say i have 90 and above Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. it's got to get approved of course right like you would probably curate the menu 
and it yeah, was, like I curated and did the <clears throat> menu for um, Valentine's, which is gonna be great. Um, so like when I came up with the Valentine's menu, my chef was like, "Ask your people what they like to eat for Valentine's." Like Jordan, what do you like to eat? And then I was like, "I like this, 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 this." And then I would present it to our CFO and our owners, and they would just be like, cross this out, cross this out, but I like this other stuff. And I was like, okay. So pretty much it's like, I'll come up with like a majority of like specials and like flavor profiles and stuff like this. Um, and then they would just kind of pick what they want. Um, they kind of want to keep it simple because honestly, our core menu, a lot of our retaining guests and first timers come and you know, they want to eat, you know, it's like your top five things or, you know, your top 10 things. And we want to just have like a blurb on top of the menu that says whatever the event is like for Valentine's, it would say the Valentine's menu. And then it would have the specials on the top, just a few. Cause uh, I know I didn't mention this, but my restaurant also is a commissary kitchen for the other Habana, the original location in Costa Mesa. So with the kitchen space I have and the manpower I have, I produce for two restaurants, one being half the size of my restaurant, which is about a little over, uh, a little lower than 200, maybe 180 capacity, 200 at most. My restaurant is 320, 340, 350 at max. Wow. So it is a little daunting just because of what I have to produce and especially it like for Christmas for example uh let me digress I had we did the buffet right and we tried it again and it was just I had to keep a long laundry list of stuff to get to that restaurant plus also think about my restaurant and it was just like my walk-in was literally I had like no space to move around there was like 20 cases of ham there was like turkeys up the wazoo there was there was just a lot of stuff and it was just like i'm i'm fine being limber but like <laughs> for heavy set guys that we work with i'm like hey trek lightly in the walk-in if you drop it you buy it <laughs> so, um but yeah you know we we got through it and you know i'm kind of happy that our owners decided not to go ahead with the buffet i mean it's easier to prep out just because it's bulk production. But having like three or four specials on the menu is a lot easier to uh, do just because it's like, I need five gallons of this sauce or I need to order this many um, proteins. And then I coordinate with my vendors to send a certain amount to my restaurant and a certain amount to their restaurant. And I communicate with the head chef there. So we're pretty um, hands-on and we see eye to eye and, you know, I go over it with him and what do you want and what do you, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been good, uh, but it's what it is right now. <laughs> well, you mentioned, um, you mentioned kind of manpower, but you also mentioned that you, that, that restaurant could seat up to 300, I believe is what you said. Or maybe I, I might have mistaken it. 350? Well, see, seating, maybe three, a little over 320. 
but like plus standing and all that do over 350 so so say theoretically on a on a full house you can serve over 350 people how many how many chefs does that take to serve that amount of people uh so like this past saturday we did a thousand and nine covers yeah we almost we almost broke uh, we broke our record of 57,000 in sales. We did 58. So we went over 1,000. So we already broke it. And I don't know. It's January and we're doing 1,000 covers. It's, it's unheard of. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's restaurants that do that, but that I've worked in, no. On, well, in January, that, that especially. To me, just tells me you guys are doing something right, right? And uh, that's, yeah. I think that's. No, we're putting MSG in all the food, so we're taking <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> just kidding. We're not, I swear. <laughs> I think that's a testament to your food, your product. Like I mentioned, the environment that you guys have. It's a fun place. It's a fun atmosphere to come to. I've seen. Yeah, I mean, especially at night, you know, like during the day, we play very, like, uh, I would say like very mellow but upbeat mm-hmm. like Latin music and then at night they like bump the Bad Bunny and like the yeah. Fonza or whatever his name is and it's just like oh I want to go there yeah. it's like somebody's party you know and and that's the atmosphere you know we try to instill you know it's very dim but we have like a nice uh, ca- there's candles everywhere and mm-hmm. it just creates that like romanticized atmosphere that people want to be a part of right uh just switch our cocktail menu amazing cocktails i like them um and then the food and you know i'm there consistently making sure everything is running smoothly and we have new desserts and we're just pretty much keep we're keep going from this point on uh we're already beating sales from last year. I mean, granted, last year around this time was, you know, a turn a turn of one of the uh, the first wave or second wave, whatever it was. But I'm beating last year's sales and the year before that, so that's always a good thing for for me and for my GM and for our restaurant to find out like our numbers are increasing day by day by day by day. So by day by day by day by day. By day. By day, buddy, buddy. By day. Hey, buddy. <laughs> no, but hey, dude. So I want to kind of take it to a different direction in this conversation real quick because I want to know more about your process in terms of crafting and curating that menu. Because like obviously, you know, you're Filipino. Um, and you've been working in this industry for a long time, specifically at Habana for years on years now. Um, so you do already have that cultural influence from you know uh latin america and you know from cuba and everything like that so i'm I'm sure you're you're well adapted to the spices to the to the flavors and you know how to marry that all together now i'm curious for your process when you're creating like newer um dishes and stuff like that what do you do for yourself do you do anything like kind of to just explore the culture even further try to find like something like a a super traditional dish that doesn't really get um that much publicity or that's not really well known or how does that work for you man um uh, well 
it helps to have Cubans that work at your restaurant or people of that culture work at your restaurant or just have you know that foresight because you know you can read books in this lab but like people that actually live it day by day it helps right um I always ask my GM like what are things that you you want to see on the menu and this and that and you know he gives me his insight and you know I work with whatever he gives me and um but as far as like developing a menu you have to also keep in mind the 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 demographic of the surrounding area so Irvine and South is very meat and potatoes they don't want anything anything that's avant-garde or anything out of the blue like what is that I don't know what is is avant-garde for those that don't know uh it's very i don't know what avant-garde is it's just very out of the blue and it's just unexpected and you know um so they go there and then they're like if let's say you have you put like a 32 ounce uh, ribeye on there and then that'll sell itself they see oh ribeye i know that oh it's 32 ounces but you know for us to sell it even more to give them that experience, you know, we would put like a diff- a sauce uh, with that flavor profile of like Latin American cuisine or a serve it with a side that is very like you would do Platanos. Or like mofongo, which is uh, a plantain, almost like a plantain mash, but very uh, starchy um i would say um and then you know then the server's job is to kind of sell it and make them know instead of having potato you know in latin america their starch is having a much greener uh plantain which is good in potassium and x y and z and then it goes with the sauce to you know put it all together and then they would just be like oh i'll get that you know just because it's something familiar to them and something different, you know, but, you know, there's sometimes, like, I, I would make, like, something simple, um, like a hamburger or something, and then you would just put in something different just to make it a part of that menu, mm-hmm. uh, or at least a part of that uh, cultural influence, and they would just, or you put, like, like, our burger is a Wagyu burger, but we put uh, manchego cheese from Spain, and we just put tomatillo salsa, like a green salsa, and really good burger. And we mix it with uh, with the ground uh, wagyu. We put chipotle. Um, you can try this; it's actually really good. And then uh, that favorite profiling is familiar because it's like I'm eating a hamburger, but at the same time, it's elevated. It has that heat. Um, so you know, you just kind of play around with it, and and the cool thing about uh, working at a restaurant like mine or just working in restaurants is whatever the base of your restaurant is like the cuisine and stuff you can also like for being filipino i could take something that's filipino and just because there's a lot of spanish influence in in our cuisine and you could just explain it in layman's terms to like our our, cust- our uh, service to sell it like i believe one time i made a sinigang which is a tamarind broth uh, soup from the Philippines. 
Um, but I added some chilies to the broth. Um, I served, I think, a seared uh, halibut or bermuda. I forget. It's a just a seared uh, fish. And then I had them pour the tamarind broth or the um, sinigang broth table side. And, you know, I sold a couple, but just because, you know, your demographic only like really like the people who are willing to try something different and this and that, you know, they'll, they'll try it. But like to really sell something at your restaurant, you got to really look at your demographic. Like if it's young uh, Gen Z's or millennials, they'll probably, I was sold out that day. I sold maybe 10 and I had 20 orders. So I sold some. But if I had, let's say, something else, like we go back to the meat and potatoes or something simple, it would have sold out. Just because your demographic, you have to know your audience and what they want to eat, right? 100%. Now, I'm curious, uh, as you were talking, I <clears throat> just thought to myself, I'm like, what is your your most popular selling product or like, you know, dish? Like, what's your highest selling dish? Uh well, since the conception of our restaurant in 1995, so we've been around for 20 plus years now. And one of the dishes, I would say, according to my Cuban friends and people I work with, uh, the ropa vieja is pretty much a classic Cuban dish. I wouldn't say it's the national dish, they would say. They say it's a classic. People eat it a lot, but they didn't say Oh, it's the national dish. Like adobo is the national dish of the Philippines, right? Um, but ropa vieja is just a, a braised uh, beef dish served with a sofrito, which is like the flavor pro- uh, flavor profiling of uh, Latin America, which is peppers and onions. Um, there's oregano, there's tomato. So that's like the basis of... So any... I'm going to digress. Any um, culture has their flavor profile. Like Asia, it's ginger, garlic, and green onion. And you can use that and make it and put so- different sauces in that. But that's like the, the heart and soul of that cuisine. Yeah. yeah. Like for Filipinos, it's <laughs> you have some of that and then you have some of this. Yeah, you put it in the rice and you have tomato base and then you put it in there and you have like menudo and our version of it and you know it's our culture is very of, of a melting pot of all of these cuisines so, so ropa viejo is is your your <clears throat> your highest selling um dish pretty yeah much. so it's served with our garlic rice gar- garlic butter rice uh, you get maduros, which are sweetened um, uh, plantains, um, and then you get the ropa vieja. So it's a very savory uh, it's dish. It's it's really good actually, and um, it's our top dish. And we make tons of it, like tons of it. So I'm gonna have to make a trek out there sometime and try that, man. You, oh, you definitely do. Got- kind of sold on that one i I don't think i've tried a rope with vieo before man now i want to take it in another direction now man because i know you personally obviously you're my family you're my my cousin and i know your 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 path to getting to where you were um and i also also know that um 
you didn't quite necessarily when you were when you were first studying and and you know learning how to cook and getting into the whole culinary world i'm not quite sure but i believe um latin american flavors weren't really your um your kind of first choice of like going in that direction am i am i correct in saying that i think there was something else that you were you were aiming at right was it more like italian influence that you were trying to do or honestly like Coming up in the industry, you kind of just go with whatever job, I guess, just because I've never worked with Latin America flavors and this and that. It was a, I was enticed to know more about it. So mm-hmm. you do your due diligence and, you know, researching and understanding the people and the food and the cuisine and, you know, just everything about it. Um before even going into there so I got a thick packet from my chef when I got hired um I also bought a Cuban cookbook to really understand and go in depth and uh understand everything about it before I worked there right so let's say I it wasn't a Cuban restaurant and it was like a Chinese restaurant or what what have you I would do the same thing just to understand it more and obviously day in and day out you would work it and work it and understand it even more and know how to play with the flavorings and what have you right everything all cultures are different but they're all unique at the same time so when you when you first got started what uh what food were you kind of most attracted to or what culture were you trying to learn the most about Mm, I still to this day uh eventually want to work with asian food i mean yeah i'm filipino but at the same time it's not like strictly asian you know um like i said like prior our culture is derived of many cultures plus our own so it's not like chinese food is chinese food and you know like all types of asian food have influences but you know, they're all different in their own respects. So um, for me, I honestly, my ultimate goal is to go back to my culture because I, I honestly want to work with Filipino food eventually. So this is just like a stepping stone to my next ultimate goal, you know, is to work with Asian and Filipino food. Even Hawaiian, I, Hawaiian for me too. You know, so. and, and again, you know, you're my cousin, you're like my brother, man. So I know <laughs> that I know that you're so proud of our your heritage, our heritage, our culture. And I think that somebody like you is just an ambassador for uh the Filipino ethnicity, the culture. You represent that, you're proud of it. Like you, you know, we got big bold flavors. You're right. We we definitely have uh you know influences from our our conquerors and everything like that but at the same time it's such a dish that doesn't get that like that love like it like other asian cultures do you know what i'm saying like and and maybe and partly because it's it's uh it's not nearly as known uh to to some people and then we have some some dishes that are they're not as palatable as like certain dishes, at least to other people that are not familiar with their culture. For me, I fucking love our food. I know you do. And mm-hmm. we've got some, some amazing flavors. But, um, you know, I think with that intention, with that 
uh, you know, with that ambition of you wanting to do that, that I'm excited for that, man. And I want to see that next chapter in your life when that time comes, you know, like continue to keep learning what you're learning right now. But dude, if you can somehow, and I, I believe it's going to happen in due time, but if once you get into that space where you're just like naturally doing what you're intended to do with, with your food, with our food, I feel like it could take on a whole new level. Um, especially out there, right? There's like a bunch of places out there that are doing Filipino fusion to kind of make it a little bit more, um, kind of ease people into the whole Filipino culture with the food and everything like that, man. And yeah, you know, but the, the funny thing with that is like, so I went to this place called Rose Cafe and it's been in LA like for years now, like since I think the eighties. Is that the one on Venice? No, the Rose Cafe is like in Hollywood. Um, so I was talking to the the chef owner and he was just like you know the thing like I met all these chefs that are doing like fusion and this and that but it's kind of he's how did he put it he said it's a little obscure or um, subjective because when a, a guest comes in they go to this place and then they let's say have adobo and they're like oh i've had that before oh wait this is not adobo this is not what i've had because those fusion restaurants would throw in little different things in there to make it its own i don't know dish right and to have a traditional adobo you know is different from having somebody's fusion adobo so they're gonna have this idea like the fusion one is the right one or you know but they have that flavor profiling, but if they have a traditional one, it would be so different, right? Right. So, and that's why he was a little like, eh, if you were to, and he, I told him, like, this is what I want to do eventually he, later in my life. And he was like, if you were to do it, I would just go with introducing it as you would introduce it, like the traditional way, but not have it to obscure where people just have this idea that that's what it is but it's really not you know what i'm saying so and i was like you know what that does make a lot of sense yes it's good if it was a fusion but then i don't want my patrons being like oh what's curry curry and they have it and it's like a a hybrid of it and you're just like oh yeah no that's that's, that's always the struggle right i mean yeah especially with filipino food you and I obviously grew up in Filipino households. <clears throat> we know our food. Our food uh, is not, you know, it's not nationally accepted or widely accepted as other Asian cultures foods. And, you know, it's just not easily, uh, I guess people just don't, um, are not open to it as much as, as much as uh, other Asian uh, foods, but that's the struggle. So I, I understand why, <laughs> people are doing the fusion thing to kind of help ease people into it. But then of course you're going to mix in and lump in some of those people that know the culture, especially Filipinos. They're going to be like, this is not adobo. This is not synagogue. Like even the dish that you said, right. The synagogue with the seared barramuda, like, yeah, uh-huh. like that is like a new take on it. But like, if you go to like if a Filipino eats that shit, they're going to be like, this is not synagogue. Like, you know, and it's just like, exactly. oh, but like, you're missing like you're missing they're missing the point because i think it's a because we're not as widely accepted as other asian 
cultures, like it's just not as familiar to people. We have to do these different things to kind of introduce it to a wider group of Audience, people so yeah. that they can so that they can know and, and, and really familiarize themselves with the flavors, with the dishes, so that they can become more comfortable eating them and trying them because dude, Filipino food is hella good. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, man, I, I, I get it. And it's it's funny, dude. We could talk about this right now. Um, you know, in the Filipino culture, dude, I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. Especially the OGs, we got some haters, bro. You know, my dad, uh, you know, our, our family, we don't go to Filipino restaurants. I do. I go on my own sometimes, but mm-hmm. um, my dad, my folks, they won't go because they'll be like, oh, why would I go there when the food we make at home is better? And I'm just like, bro, like, there's no, there's not enough support within our community of just like mm-hmm. uplifting each other. And, you know, it's, it's, it's super critical. Like, I guarantee you, like a place like you just mentioned, Rose Cafe, or even other places, even like a senior CC, there's probably some like a good amount of Filipino people that are out there being like, that is not Filipino. That's not CC. That's not Filipino. Blah, blah, blah. Like, bro, you're missing the fucking point. We're trying to introduce this to a wider audience here so that we can put the Filipino culture on the map, bro. So I hear what that dude was telling you in terms of, you know, kind of keep it authentic and shit like that. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, hey, bro, I say follow your heart and not, hey, look, just like anything, like not everyone's going to be happy with what you're doing. And that's okay. Don't worry about them. Worry about the people that fuck with what you're doing, bro. So when you do get to that point, do you, bro. Straight up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. So as far as Filipino culture in your line of work right now, um, aside from that synagogue dish, have you ever experimented kind of playing with some of the Cuban flavors and, and Filipino flavors? Uh, Not our- really. Uh, I try to keep it very black and white with our guests. Um, and sometimes it, I don't even add like, <laughs> sorry to say, I don't even add Latin cuisine just because I know like, um, just because of my audience, you know? Um, yeah, we have, they can order like an empanada or the ropa vieja, like I said, but like some of my specials are very like to the point. Um, like for the Valentine's menu, I have uh, a lobster dish with a champagne brown butter sauce um and just like some sauteed veggies and roasted uh root veg and it's just like what makes that cuban is just like nothing it's just the lobster that we get is a caribbean lobster which is from the caribbean and that's what makes it like its thing but it's very like oh i'm gonna get that because i know what that is and my demographic wouldn't have a problem like or hesitate they would probably be like oh it's 10 ounces Caribbean lobster I've had that before it's succulent it's juicy it's delicious um and brown a champagne brown butter sauce that sounds delightful and there's you know something familiar to them and they're probably gonna order it so you know some days I'm just like, you know what? It doesn't have to be as long as there's like something of an influence in it. Even just because of the protein being from the Caribbean, 
then I'll just make it like that just to make it easier on our end and just to make it easier for our guests to really wrap their head around it because sometimes you got to explain every little detail to our guests and you know we're at such a busy restaurant I just want to make it simple for our servers to sell and for our guests to understand and accept what it is but there there are some guests who really want to know more about cuisine and whatever they're ordering and you know I'll come out or uh, a server will upsell it to them and they'll be like enticed to buy it and there that goes you know mm-hmm. so that's dope man now I want to bring it back to Filipino culture man because I think it's important we talk about this I I rarely get a chance to talk about it and there's really not many other people that are better for me to talk to than uh an actual Filipino you're my cousin bro like you know what I'm saying we grew up in in the culture in the environment so I'm curious from your standpoint dude like what about Filipino culture Filipino food um that you that you want to highlight the most when you eventually get that opportunity to, to probably you know it's not just Filipino food that I want to do it's kind of like I want to do my ultimate ultimate idea eventually I don't know maybe I'll be like 50 or 60 already by the time this happens but we'll see um is to embellish more on the soul of the cuisine and also have my other favorite food is Hawaiian food so which is pretty much the same too in some regards because you know what is Hawaiian food and what is Filipino food and you know, one person that does that the best is, you know, Chef uh, Sheldon Simeon in Maui. And I just got his cookbook and it was just like amazing, you know. It's like a melting, well, it's, Hawaii is the same thing. It's like a melting pot of all these cultures, you know. And that's how the Philippines is. And, you know, him being a Filipino chef that grew up in Hawaii, you know, it's, it's inspiring. So I just want to wrap my head around making food like that. It doesn't have to be high end. Like I honestly just want to have like a thirty seat diner, but like the food is just like, oh my god, right? So, um, I just want to capture that for people and make them feel homey. And I don't want to even have like a bistro or a high die, high die restaurant. Um, just because I don't want it stuffy. I don't want it to be like you. You're coming to your homie's house. And there, and then you have like a lull on the phone. Have you eat yet? You eat, you know, there's food here. So it's like the same idea. Like if I were to have a place, I want that for whoever goes to my restaurant eventually later in life. Fuck yeah. To have that feel of, man, I want to go back there because I felt at home. Like, and like you can just talk to the guy at the bar or you can talk to anybody there and they'll just like chop it up with you and make you feel like you're at home and you're not at a restaurant right and it's kind of hard because you know you have to deal with so much but at the same time that's the kind of atmosphere I want to create you know not stuffy you know I'm not trying to do any cutting edge techniques or anything like that just make it feel natural and homie that's that's fucking dope man because i think you kind of knocked out two birds with one stone with that with that answer to my question because you you highlighted the food and everything like that and what you love about it the most and 
how you want, but you also highlighted the experience of, you know, you kind of touched on it. It's like you got the the Filipino granny or auntie or whatever, just like, have you eaten yet? Have you drank yet? Uh, eat, you eat, you eat, you know, like, yeah, so like we're so welcoming, we're so friendly, we're so hospitable, and we're so kind. Like we just want, we have that home feeling, and I think that that's um, missing in a lot of today's society, man. And I think that, you know, it's so hustle and bustle. We all want to make a ton of money. We forget about the joy that, you know, simply being around one another um, does for us. And then, you know, breaking bread with one another. And that's what we do with the whole experience of food. Right. And I think for me, speaking for myself personally, I've always been attracted to that, that understanding of the importance of, sitting down with your loved ones, sitting down with the people you're actually with and being present, enjoying the food, talking mm-hmm. about the food, talking about whatever's currently going on in your life. You know what I mean? That whole experience, I feel like you and I both grew up in that type of environment where it was always a priority placed on that, right? Like whenever the, you know, my, you know, my grandma specifically, when the food is ready, Christopher, come and eat now. Like, as soon yeah. as that motherfucker's ready, she's like, "Come and eat now." She don't, she don't want nobody eat when it's like, you know, when it's because she doesn't want it to be cold. It, she doesn't want the experience <laughs> to be ruined and stuff like that. So, that's very much of what we embody as Filipinos, right? We just we're we're very hospitable, we're kind, uh, we love mm-hmm. having fun, um, we enjoy life, and I think that there's no better person, not many other better people than you to, to bring something like that to life. So I can totally see that happening for you. Well, and the cool thing is like, you know, you go to these restaurants, you eat out on your days off and whatever, and you kind of just absorb whatever you see. Like recently for my birthday, when I was in uh, Vegas, uh, my uh, fiance surprised me with a reservation at Best Friend. And Best Friend is uh, one of Roy Choi's restaurants at the uh, MGM Park or park mgm hotel um dude that restaurant was like an eye-opener you could um not alone do you feel like you went to like if you ever watch hang what is our show the korean supermarket show uh not sure it was on netflix but you feel like you go to a korean owned uh supermarket or not a supermarket a market like a convenience store and then the host takes you to this back room and it just opens up like you feel like you're in LA because they have like all these like really artistic photos of LA um just the vibe itself but the cool thing is what I would want is they had a live DJ I don't know if I want to have a live DJ but they were playing like 90s hip-hop and it was such a great atmosphere to be a part of especially growing up in the 90s and being an 80s baby um that feel of nostalgia of like listening to like rock rock cam and seal was uh smooth and like just all of these like tribe called quest was in the background and they were playing fuji's at right after and it was like they blended the music so well like that whole atmosphere plus the food being like korean food and it just encompassed like who Roy Joy is as a as a chef as an owner and who he is like so if I were to do a place I'd probably play like lo-fi 90s like hip-hop just to create that atmosphere and then have like bomb food that people feel like 
this dude's Filipino from SF and he's probably born in the 80s and you know but still like you know mix in maybe some Filipino hip-hop or something because well dude you you know dude I mean for those that don't know Jordan this dude is a, a fucking lover of music man and specifically oh, yeah. hip-hop r&b hawaiian island food i've been to so many concerts with this dude and you know he's curated so many playlists for me and <clears throat> you know mixtapes over the years dude like and he always puts some like really dope gems and he always supports the artists that he really supports and you know by supporting their music through you know buying their buying their music going to their concerts buying their mm-hmm. merchandise this dude is totally a fan and uh just an appreciator of a music culture life mm-hmm. and uh that like as you're speaking i literally in my mind can totally envision that for you and i, I think i had like a you can have like a lounge and then they play like 90 slow jams and be like Dude, i don't even think it has to be when you're 60 70 years old like you said i feel like honestly bro if you if you really made that a goal of yours that you want to accomplish within the next five six years and if you really stuck you made a plan and you stuck to it you can absolutely do it and like you said you're not looking to fucking make a 300 seater like you're currently serving like you just want like a uh, that's it's too taxing in my body Oh, that's dude. That's I. I can't even imagine the the type of stress. Well, I could because I've actually worked in the industry, so I know how it is, dude. But yeah, <clears throat> dude, that can only go for so long. Now, if you're in a place where it's just like it is literally your home, you're making really you know big pots of food. Like I can envision you doing. You're making rice plates that you you love. You're having fun, kind of creating. You got dope music playing in the background. You got a dope ass little space. Mm -hmm. I think so many people will flock to that, bro. And then on top of that, you would put so much uh, notice on who we are as a culture, bro, from from the Philippines and really representing the the Filipino um, experience, man. You know what I'm saying? And I think more people in America. Especially being a like second or third generation Filipino growing up in, you know, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you can go to a Filipino restaurant and, you know, they're playing, like, Basil Valdez or, you know, one of the, like, Sharon Cuneta or something in the background or whatever it is. You see, yeah. I don't even know that fucking artist right there, bro. You just got gems <laughs> over Or Leia Salonga in the background, but, like... Oh, shit. I know, right? But, you, have, you know... You can have fucking Joe Coy on the TVs in the background with the subtitles oh, yeah. on. You know... Like, you get- like the 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 crazy amount of directions you can go with that because you're so creative like you're proud of who you are and i think that when you do eventually own that space and operate that space it's gonna embody fully who you are like like whenever people walk through those doors they're gonna get a a a a good dose of exactly who jordan eric borlaza is dude you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. yeah you know what i'm saying but um (laughs) And uh, yeah, I'm excited for that part of your, that chapter of your journey. I mean, I'm I'm excited for where you are right now specifically, but I really feel like this is only the beginning because yeah, I already had like ideas like what I want with like decor and stuff, and we'll see. I mean, I just wanted to make it feel like natural, like you like I said, like you're going into like your homie's house, like you would go there and you'd be like, oh man, there's a Last Supper scene, 
on the wall or like giant spoons and forks on the wall or a rice hat or something. Hell yeah, dude. And you're just like, where am I? <laughs> oh, I'm at my homie, my Filipino homie's house. So really. Are you gonna are you gonna that. uh are you gonna ask people to take off their shoes when they come into the house too? I mean come into the restaurant. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have chanelas or chanclas, whatever you wanna call them, just <laughs> light all over the floor and then be like, dang, I really feel like I'm here. Oh, <laughs> You'll just have like plastic wrap all over the carpets too. So you don't like mess up the carpet. <laughs> don't be like, damn, this guy put so much hey, thought into how he wants if you're, it. If you're gonna do it, you gotta do it right, bro. That's the only way. Yeah, right. Yeah, man. Well, that's that's dope, bro. That's that's hella dope. I could totally see that happening for you. But as it currently stands, where you're at right now, I'm very proud of the progress you've made. I'm very happy for you. you know you and your career path right now. I want to, before we kind of like wrap things up here, because we are kind of pushing it on time. I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, I want to talk about a few other things and then we'll kind of wrap it up. But I want to ask you, um, what about, because I know your journey to get to where you're at right now. Take us back a little further when you were kind of in a space where you didn't quite know what you wanted to do. How did, yeah, so- how did you find, or like what influenced you to get into, into the world of uh, culinary foods? um so i have to give it up to my uh my uncle ernesto lukaka your 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 uncle uh my uncle you know he he left uh he left the philippines i I don't know what age but he left there and established himself in honolulu or oahu um the island in hawaii um and has never looked back and he wanted to be a chef. He had this idea and he's been a chef and still going strong for what, 40 plus years now, maybe longer. Um, and I guess when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, like I was doing radiology classes, you know, I was playing with the idea. I wanted to be an interior decorator because, uh, you know, when you're at that age where you're just like uh, transitioning from being uh somebody in high school and then you're like in the back of your mind you're like I don't know what I want to do in my life like a lot of my friends are like I'm going to be an engineer I'm going to do this I want to do that I'm going to take business me I want to be or take a career where at the after year one or two I wasn't passionate or I didn't want to do it I was just making a paycheck just to get by um so it took me a while to figure it out and our uncle saw something in me. I forgot what picnic or barbecue we were at. He was like, have you ever thought of being in culinary or becoming a chef? And I was like, not really. (laughs) To be honest, uh, I enjoy cooking. Um, I started cooking little by little when family came over. And, you know, my mom's a great cook. Your grandma's a great cook. So, you know, just overseeing what they're doing just kind of I never really thought of it you know um and then he just saw something in me and he was like you know what I'm here because there's like a big industry um convention in downtown San Francisco and I was like okay so I remember you me and your brother went and from that day on I was just over overjoyed and I don't know it was just like an eye-opener I was like oh my god 
this thing is amazing. Like we had so many different foods from so many different places. Like that was the same year, like Faye yogurt was just a sample and nobody knew about it. Like Greek yogurt was just like a, not even a thing that people really want. You know, because yogurt was yogurt for so many years and Faye yogurt was came out and like Greek yogurt, this blah, blah, blah. And then you just try all these things like aged balsamics we had, so many different cheeses, meats, drinks, even like wines and stuff all over the world. And even domestically, it was just like sensory overload, especially like, you know, being that young and don't know what to do. It's just, and then you kind of look into it. And then my cousin, uh, Ron, on my dad's side, uh, told me about how or he was in a culinary program and he's like, yeah, why don't you give it a go? You know, you can use me as a recommendation. And I don't know. I was like, you know, fuck it. I'll sign up. And I did. And I never really looked back since that day. Uh, two years later, I graduated from culinary, the culinary program. I got my associates in science. And then pretty much when I was in school, I, uh, our chefs always told us like, you're not guaranteed a job right off the bat just because you graduated from culinary school. And I was like, yeah, that's very true. You know, our industry is very like, you have to start somewhere and just learn, 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 and absorb whatever you can from the industry. And they give you the foundation and the, the skills you need to succeed and propel yourself forward in this industry. And yeah. It's either you have it in you or you don't, you know. This industry is really not for everyone. Yeah, you definitely oh. got to pay dues, right? Like, you've paid a lot of dues. <clears throat> yeah, I was I was a cook. I was a dishwasher. And then fast forward 12 years later, I'm now a head chef. So, yeah, you really have to <laughs> pay your dues, dude. Like, I know there was, like, this, like, lawsuit with uh, CCS. Well, just... La Cordon Blue, because they used to advertise, like, oh, you're guaranteed this job, and this thing. you're not guaranteed anything. You ain't guaranteed shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, and it's just funny because people are like, should I go to culinary school? I was, I always tell people yes, but you don't have to go to like a trade school or go to a, a, like a culinary um, institute that you don't have to break the bank. You know, some are like sixty grand, eight. Well, at the time. But now they're like 80 to 100. You don't need to spend that much money. You know, this industry is a learned skill. You know, if you're passionate about it, you'll propel yourself to learn more each day about it. Um, But it is good to go to culinary school so you know the basis, where everything came from, how how to fabricate or break down proteins and this and that. And, you know, those things... You either use them or you don't use them, but you'll learn every day as you go along in your career, you know? So I say go to a culinary school, (laughs) you know, if you really want to be in this industry, so you have a basis, you know? But if you were to just be a dry cook out of nowhere, it's going to take you a long time to become where I am. It might even take you five more years, unless you can just learn that quickly then you'll be fine mm-hmm. yeah no man and that's that's dope thanks <laughs> for kind of giving us a rundown of 
you know, your experience and, and your path to lead you to where you're at, because I think that's, it's pretty motivational, man, you know, um, and I think it's also very real, because I think a lot of times we have these expectations, like, there's a lot of people that are like, okay, I'm going to go to college, and I'm just going to get a good-ass job, like, yo, nothing is guaranteed, you, just because you finish it doesn't mean that, like, it's, it's guaranteed, it's going to be just handed on a silver platter, you, you still got to go out there and work for it, you still got to show your value, you know what I'm saying, like, you're not just going to get hired. That's just not the way life works. And, you know, I think the the sooner people kind of understand that and accept that you can really kind of begin to change your process and put yourself in a better position. You know what I mean? Like you, you got to understand, you got to have this mindset of like, okay, if I really want something, there's a path to get there, but I have to really kind of put my head down, do what I need to do that's necessary to get me to that space. And I feel like you, you've certainly done that, man. You mentioned that you were, um a dishwasher you know you were never I've known you forever dude and especially in these later stages of your life where you know where you were in a space where you didn't quite know what you wanted to do things were in flux and you know fast forward to where you're at right now but there was a time where you know you didn't quite know what you were wanted wanted to do but you also never put yourself above having to pay those dues like just you being a dishwasher you do you know doing all these different things working different odd jobs to ultimately land you to where you are right now. Now I'm curious, dude, because, you know, going down paths like that, there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of things that are working against you. How did you maintain the type of mindset um, to keep pushing on? See, uh, and that's a, the, the thing that you can't really um, teach anyone is like how I said in the beginning, how my chef says, what he values in me is my adaptability. You know, it, it's honestly, it's like, it's either you have it in you or you don't, you know? And I'm trying to change, uh, I'm trying to train my um, Sue to be the next Zex Sue. But it's, it's really something in yourself that you have to look deep down in yourself to like really um figure out for yourself because for me like I come in the mindset and I've always lived this way is to stay positive uh put out that good energy because being where I am now if I come in and I'm like my mind's distorted or I'm like grumpy or whatever my team's gonna feed off of that and then the day is gonna go like that and then the month's gonna go like that and then you're fucking shit up sol you know and i can't have that luck (laughs) yeah i can't have that you know if you go in with good vibes for that day and then that week turns into that month it turns into that year the rest of your life dude you have to see the positivity in any situation not just me being culinary and just in in life general you have to have that mindset in your head. You know, like you gotta like fuck, I have so many bills, but dude, bills are gonna keep coming. Credits, your credit's gonna keep stacking. You just have to figure out a way to, you know, get through it and you know, be a human being and pay your taxes and pay your bills and you know, because if you're like, oh, oh, you're setting yourself up for failure. Mm. And pretty much that whole mindset of staying positive and working hard 
just, just fucking make it happen, dude. Like, as easy as it sounds for me, because, you know, it took me a while to be, have this mindset. It's just something that you have to find in yourself to make it happen. It's like, I want to be like, I want to have a six pack or I, I want to have, I want to be so ripped and this and that. How are you going to get up there? You know, you got to grind, you got to put in the work to get there, right? With anything. So that's just like what I have to deal with mentally. You know, there's days that I want, like I said in the beginning, I want to punch and choke people or chop them in the throat. (laughs) You know, they're like, okay, I want to chop the gun in the throat, but how am I going to say it in a, you know, where I don't have to offend this person, you know? This is what you do great, but this is what you got to work on. And then I know you can do it, but so just do it for me. And then you're like, okay, chef. So that's hella funny. Dude, but, that's, know, that's awesome, bro. No, no, no. I, I want to say that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's so refreshing to hear you say that, bro. Because obviously, again, I'm, I've stated it so many times. Obviously, in the beginning, I introduced you as my cousin, as basically my brother. I, I know the struggles you've been through. I know. The, 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 you know, the details of the journey for you to end up where you're at right now. And, you know, looking back at our childhood, dude, I, I never once looked at you as like a negative person. You've always had this positive spirit about you, happy go lucky type of vibe. And that's, I think is, is super important. And you're right. The responsibility of life can get heavy. The responsibility of having to deal with bills, the obligation of having to pay your taxes, you know, do all these different things right but it's not going to help you it's actually going to hurt you if you have a bad mindset about it if you have a bad type of attitude about it right like mm-hmm. why not try to develop a better type of way of looking at things yeah you just gotta see the good things in any situation right you're like what's a good situation here like well i don't know what to tell you but there is something that you just gotta find it yep i agree with that man that answer wholeheartedly I, I agree with that <clears throat> you've always been you've always been that way which is why like to me it's no surprise that you're experiencing the success that you're experiencing man and it's all like I feel like it's really only the beginning for you because if you continue to keep that mindset which I know you will it's only going to bring about so much more better things in your life like in terms of your experience and you already have so much to be thankful for I know like I know you recently uh just got engaged um with mm-hmm. Paula who we love dearly and I'm very, very excited for you guys and uh, very happy for you guys. Tell me, tell, take us into that experience, man. Um, and because Ooh, I, know, Paul? Again, I know, I know your, I know your history, bro. I know, um, you know, like, I, I just know that what you've been through and, and to get to this point and to finally have met your soulmate, right? Like, it's just like mm-hmm. a wonderful feeling. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I don't know, you know, obviously I know there's more guys like me out there that was like, uh, trying to like really like force it, I guess you can say on like trying to find a partner, but honestly, when it, when the time's right, the time's right and it'll happen. Right. And that's why a lot of people are like, focus on yourself and this and that. And that's why, you know, I waited so long. I mean, we were together seven, eight years and, we were like, when is he going to do it? When is he going to do it? And it's just like, bro, I haven't left yet. And 
100% faithful. And I just wanted to be in a mindset of this is the right time. I'm in the right place in my career. And then I did it. And it happened last November. So, but having a best friend, my queen, whatever, my lady, whatever you want to call it, or that significant person, um, helps a lot, especially in my career where it's stressful. But the cool thing about it is having someone that really understands you and the daily struggles you go through, especially with work, you know, I told her, like, you want to be with me? I'm barely home. My industry, I work anywhere from 10 to 16 hours. If you can deal with that and deal with the stress and blah, 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 then let's, you know, this is what you have to deal with. And, and, you know, I keep, I still ask her to this day, like, really, you put up with me with all of that? I'm barely around and I'm not there on the weekends. And, you know, sometimes she, I get invited to things and, you know, my family loves her and accepts her already since even the first year she's gone to so many events without me and it's just funny how like people ask about her before they ask about me (laughs) not to be spiteful but they're just like oh how's Paula I was like great how am I doing I'm great too but (laughs) you know that's neither here nor there you know that that just tells me that you know they love her and they love her being a part of the family already um so you know, with with any, I guess you could say, great man, you know, there is an even stronger and greater partner for them to keep them grounded. You know, because, you know, I go through my daily struggles as a chef and as a person, you know, I vent to her and it just helps, you know, ha- having sat somebody. It doesn't even have to be a partner. It could be like your brother, like if she wasn't around, I would console in you or my brothers, right? Just having that person that you can lean on because everyone has to lean on somebody. You know, it doesn't have to be a romantic person. It could be like your brother or like your grandma or you can even talk to your fucking dog because just letting your inner emotions out and talking to somebody or something, it just helps because you can't have all of that built up tension in yourself, right? it'll just eat you alive so having Paula has been one of the greatest joys in my life and Jesus Christ dude I'm like feel like I'm about to say my vows (laughs) (laughs) oh I get emotional bro I'm waiting until my wedding but you know it's been great okay that's awesome bro that's I don't awesome. want to look like I look when I watched Frozen for the first time, bro. Got a little. Oh more. my god, dude! <laughs> Funny story to those that are still listening. To this day, I still haven't seen the movie Frozen because this dude ruined the experience for me. This guy, oh, uh, we were roommates in LA, and uh, when Frozen first came out on DVD, he bought that shit. And I come home from work one day, and the, the lights are off. It's like middle of the day. And lights are off. He's on the couch watching Frozen with like a box of tissue right next to him. And he's crying. And there's no shame in that, bro. Like, but if for me, it was just like, nah, man, I, I, I'm not putting myself in that situation. I'm not going to wow. do it. Man, it was great. It was a good movie, dude. I mean, like, imagine, maybe, you know, maybe I'll get you're her away from, your, from your family, bro. And 
the movie's about like sister bonding you know i just thought of my brothers and how much i missed them and it just kind of kind of hit me you know yeah. Yeah. It made me feel some type of way, you know. I feel it, bro. Hey, man, and which is probably why I, at that moment, I didn't really want to, I didn't really want to go to it because I, you know, I felt I, I think I was in a space where I was just so focused, just, you know, trying to build a life out there, and I didn't really want anything that was gonna get me in that space. Yeah, you walked in and you looked at me like this fool really crying right now. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that, again, there's no shame in it at all, bro. Like I, I actually respect and admire you for. <clears throat> being in tune with your feelings enough to do that but um for me at that point in my life as i recall i just uh i didn't want anything to do with it just because uh i i wanted to continue to uh stay grounded in where i was at um because it was a hard experience you know uprooting our life and and leaving we were the only pretty much the only family we had over there was me and you and yeah we had some other family out in like pomona and you know we had a a, a couple of cousins out in uh west west la as well but you know we didn't really spend that much time with them so we had to kind of figure things out on our own and it was a dope experience you know i've talked about it in detail uh several times throughout uh the course of making episodes in this podcast and it it was very character building for me as i could tell it is for you man you know these experiences that you've kind of been through in la and you continue to go through you're basically out there on your own still bro you know i mean not on your own because you have paula and you have your newfound family through Paula and you you have a new set of friends and everything like that, but your family who you grew up with, who, you know, nurtured you from, you know, birth is we're all out here. You know, I made the trek back to the barrier, you know what I'm saying? And I know your ambition is to come back here at some point in life, but you just never know what, what's going to happen in life. You might, you never know. You might open a re- that restaurant and, and your roots are going to be over there. And when you start a family, it's going to be over. Who knows? Like, we, you know, the point is we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but I think that um, being there, having that experience really shaped who I was, shaped who you are, and it's uh, it's been a hell of a journey so far, bro, and uh, mm-hmm. hey, man, speaking of speaking of Frozen, man, maybe maybe one of these days I will actually sit down and watch it. I, I've been meaning to watch Coco. Everyone keeps telling me, like, Coco. Oh, you gotta watch Coco. You gotta watch the recent one, Encanto so many good ones bro i know i you're i know you're such a avid disney fan man oh, I love disney, disney disneyland yesterday man and you know um i have such great memories of when we first got to la too because you worked as a chef in disneyland too at one of the restaurants over there and mm-hmm. you used to get free tickets so we we got to go experience disneyland together so many times and it was so fun dude um i've <laughs> Look, I feel spoiled in saying this because there's a lot of people that don't even get to experience Disneyland, let alone experience it as much times as I've got a chance to. But there was a point where I was like, damn, I've been to Disneyland too many times. I'm, I got kind of sick of it, you know, but um, it, it's 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 forever embedded in my childhood, my my history, my memories. And yeah, uh, yeah dude, it's 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 always going to be, man. You got to go at least once. Right? Forever. I haven't been back in years, though. No, it's totally different now. <laughs> I bet, I bet, man. But so um, things. But hey, man, this is uh this has been a great conversation, bro. Me and you have a lot of great personal conversations, aside from you know the podcast like this and stuff like that. And I'm so glad that you um got yourself to get up and get on here, man, because uh I feel like you have so much value to offer with your 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 story, with your energy, your spirit as who you are, man, and the story you're continuing to tell um dude 
you've become so much of a leader now, bro, because you, you know, of your, your role, you know, you've had uh-huh. to step into that, you know, it, like the, the responsibility that has been placed on you, like has, has kind of like pulled out a, a new Jordan, man. And this new Jordan, I'm like so proud of bro. And I've, I've always been proud of you, man. I, I always known that like, you've been like a very loving person, super cool, super funny <laughs> we have we have some fucking crazy ass stupid ass experiences man but um mm-hmm. to, see, to see your progression to see where you're at right now man it's like it's so cool to watch bro and uh just keep going bro i'm so proud of you bro and before we get on out of here dude do you want to leave us with any specific type of jam like just something that you kind of want to leave the audience before we wrap things up here uh just to always can you see this? No, we can't. You gotta, you gotta blur out the background again. Technology, man. Yeah, take, that, take that background thing off. Okay, let's look at what's in behind you guys. Let's look at all this craziness behind you. <laughs> oh man. Uh, where? How did I do this? I don't know. So confused. This is, why you, work in, this this. is why you work. In oh, the- right here. This is why you work in the chef world, not the tech world. Wow. Here, now you can read it. Stay positive, work hard, make it happen. I like it. I like it. I mean, that's that's on our work desk. And yeah, the craziness behind me. It's an addiction. Well, no, it's a little hobby I have. There you go. It's not an addiction. What are those? They're Funko Pops, bro. Funko Pops. Yeah, and there's a there's a huge community of people that buy those and understand the rarity of some of them. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a whole there's a whole fan base there, man. And uh we can talk about that on another conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> man. I, it's it's been a pleasure, bro. Like I uh really enjoyed this type of conversation. You and I have some some pretty random conversations a lot whenever we catch up, but it's cool to be able to share um who you are with anyone that's listening to this that's following the progress of this podcast and uh i think what you're doing is inspiring bro you know for you to get up every single day um and and bust your ass and do what you do because Mm -hmm. you love it and build the career that you're building and set more plans to even do things bigger in your own way it's Mm -hmm. just dope to see bro and um yeah other than that bro let folks know how they can reach you if you want to be reached uh you can go to my instagram on uh I, I just recently changed it oh chef jordy 122 i believe i think i changed it to um if anything you can like and subscribe or s- smash that follow button just kidding uh <laughs> well well bugs will tag me on the this this little podcast but um you can find me there and Follow my chicken sandwich reviews. You know, yes. That's my... Uh, yes. That's what I do on my off days once in a while. I go to random places and try their chicken sandwiches and give yeah. you my actual feedback on if it's worth going there or not. And, and for, um, those that, for those that don't know and that are going to get to know Jordan and, and follow what he does, that is absolutely part of his brand. It's a fun uh, little clip that he does with new chicken sandwiches and stuff like that my favorite part sometimes it's not even chicken sandwiches (laughs) yeah it's just it's just reviews and it's just him being genuinely jordan and um it's it's great to see and it 
for me, one of the funniest things about it is when he takes this massive bite of whatever he's about to eat and it just gets stuck in that fucking beard of his. It's 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 hella funny. And he's just like nodding his head in, in agreement if it thinks it's a good uh, if it's a good product or if it's a bad one or he's just trying to figure it out. And mm-hmm. it's a fun thing to do. But um, yeah, and definitely, folks, go check him out at Habana Restaurant out there in Irvine. It's a great place. Um, they serve great food, great atmosphere, fun, good drinks, good vibes, good food good people, good music. Uh, it's well lit in a really cool space, you know, um, just a overall fun experience. I've had the pleasure of going over there. I've sent people over there. Um, and it's just, it's just dope, dope vibes all the way around, man. So yeah, Jordan, thank you, bro. I appreciate you spending time on the podcast, bro. Coffee should be dope. Absolutely. And, um, until next time, y'all, you know, continue to keep going, keep growing. Big love and stay blessed, y'all. Peace.